Exodus 34, one verse, and that's verse 18. And I guess if I've had a prayer in recent days, it's been this same prayer that Moses prayed. Four words. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses speaking to God said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. That's a powerful prayer. Show me thy glory. I don't know if Moses knew what he was asking. And sometimes when we pray things, we're going to get to this here in a second. Sometimes I think I'm so glad that the spirit maketh intercession for us between our, our mouth and heaven. Because some things we ask for, I don't think we know what we're asking for. Moses prayed this prayer. Moses, excuse me, Lord, I beseech you, show me thy glory. The book of Exodus, most people would, would tell you that the theme of the book of Exodus is why it is named Exodus. It's the exit or the exiting of the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and into the wilderness to get eventually to the promised land. And most people would tell you that it's the, the theme of it really is the liberation of God's people from slavery. And that's, that's definitely not wrong. Uh, but in my opinion, a greater theme of the book of Exodus would be this, the manifestation of God's presence. <clears throat> and here's the reason why. The freedom that the children of Israel possessed and the empowerment that God gave them was all a direct link and just a foreshadow or a sign, if you will, of the presence of God. And it was basically showcasing the presence of God. Throughout Exodus, you'll find there's a, there's a term in, in theology. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it, it, I don't want to get you confused tonight, but, but we want to learn some things. It's called a theophany. And a theophany is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. And throughout the, the book of Exodus, you'll find several of these pictures or portraits of Christ. Because you know that when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. <laughs> and you know that he is a part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Spirit. And if anybody will tell you that Jesus isn't in the Old Testament, they don't study their Bible very well. Because he was in the burning bush. <laughs> uh, he was in the 10 plagues. He was in the cloud that led them by day and the pillar of fire that led them by night and also kept them warm at night. He was the water from the rock. I feel like preaching. <laughs> uh, he, he was the manna that fell from heaven. Uh, he was also the blueprint for the tabernacle. Everything in the tabernacle, from the linens all the way to the furniture, it all pointed to Jesus Christ. And our pastor preached a series of that years ago. Every bit of furniture, every piece of wood, every thread in the cloth, it all pointed to Jesus Christ. And so the book of Exodus really is, a, is, a, is God making himself known to people that didn't know who he was. And, and really, if, if you look at it closely, um, the people that came out of, the, out, of, out of Egypt and were free from slavery, the reason why they were set free is because of the covenant that God had with their parents. And so the covenant that God had with their parents 
wasn't good enough for them. They had to get their own personal relationship with God. They had to know God themselves. And, and if, I may, if I may just speak to those, and if anybody knows that on this subject, I am one. But for anyone that's been raised in church, they've been raised in a great Christian home with a great Christian heritage, that's not good enough to get you into heaven. I'm thankful for the, the promises and the covenant that my parents have had with God. I know that I am reaping what I have not sown. But listen, when it came down to brass tacks, I had to have my own personal relationship with God. The, the glory and the presence of God that mom and dad feel, I want to experience it for myself. And so they needed to have their own experience with God. And throughout the, the book of Exodus, you'll find that it seemed like God couldn't do enough for them, for them to believe in who he was. They were blessed by God's provision, but they didn't know him as a person, except for one person, and that was their shepherd. One person in that whole crowd, maybe millions of people, one person wanted to know more of God, and that was Moses. Moses wanted to know him more. He wanted to see the glory of God. This, this chapter here in Exodus 33, if you'll go back and read prior to this, they were trying to make other gods. And Moses just got righteous indignation, let's just say like it is. He got perturbed and he got mad. And so he didn't understand why the God that led them out of Egypt, the God that provided for them every day of their life, how could they treat him like they are treating him? And as a pastor and as a shepherd, I wonder the same thing. Some of you I look at and God's been so good to you and yet you treat him like just a spare tire. And I don't understand why the prayer that Moses prayed, he, as far as we know, he's the only one that prayed this prayer. And it boggles my mind that there isn't more people under the sound of my voice that don't want to pray this prayer. Because you, I hear, here's the reason why. Because when we pray, Lord, show me thy glory, that means God's going to show you yourself. And when we begin to look at ourselves, we begin to see ourselves for who we are. And we are nothing but sinful rags. We are nothing but unrighteous rags in the sight of God. But aren't you thankful, hallelujah, for the presence of God and for the blood of Christ. That when we get saved, he no longer sees the unrighteous filthiness of sin. He sees the blood of his son. But I want more, Chris. I want more. I want more. I want to see the glory of God. Do you want to see the glory of God? I had about an hour conversation this week with a dear friend of mine, Pastor Cal. And she wanted to know, she's been discipling somebody who is new to the faith. And she's asking really important questions. And she said, I want other people's advice. And I want to, I, I, and here's the question. What does it mean to see or to feel God's presence? And I thought, well, that's a great question. And she had no idea I was preparing this message. And so I began to share with her what I'm gonna share with you tonight. Because Moses said, show me thy glory. Moses wanted more. 
the covenant between him and God started in Exodus chapter three. And the covenant that he and God had was so special that he actually was an intercessor for the children of God. God wanted to destroy them. And Moses, because of his covenant and the relationship he had with God, stepped in between and said, Lord, don't kill him. Don't kill him. And because of his relationship, he stayed the hand of God on his people. I'm telling you what, folks, you say that you can have that much power. I'm telling you, you can have that much power with God and that much influence with God if you just have a relationship like Moses had with him. Moses wasn't without his faults, but he wanted more of God. And so as he was wanting to pray this prayer, he said these words, Lord, show me thy glory. What was he really asking? Here's what I was, believe he was asking. Lord, I want to see you the way I would see you in heaven. He was saying, Lord, I want to see you as the angels see you. I've seen you in the burning bush. I've seen you in the manna. I've seen you in that Red Sea. I've seen you in that water from the rock. I've seen you take that bitter waters and make them sweet. I've seen you in the furniture of the tabernacle. But Lord, I want to see you like the angels see you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I want a glimpse of heaven. And God said, well, okay, you asked for it. Here's what I want to do. First of all, I want you to notice verse 19. He said, Lord, show me thy glory. And here's what God said. And he, meaning God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Now think about this a second. He said, I will make my goodness pass before thee. Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. God said, I'm sending my goodness. Moses said, I want to see your glory. God said, I'll send you my goodness. So when we see God's goodness, we see his glory. Moses said, I'm going to say it one more time for those in the back. Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. God said, I will send my goodness. So whenever we see the goodness of God, we see the glory of God. <laughs> the goodness of God is not a result of God's actions. It's his attribute. When God does something for us, we say God is good. That's not when we should say God is good when he does something for us because he is good whether he does something good for you or not. We say God is good. God is good. So that means when God is good to you, he is God to you. I'll say that one more time because you didn't get that. When, you, when we say God is good, and the goodness of God is the glory of God and God is good that means when he is good to us then he is God to us because he can't be nothing but good oh this is good preaching when you see his goodness 
you see him. That's why his goodness isn't, isn't uh, like a thermometer. It don't change when the days are bad or good. Because if it's cloudy on Monday, somewhere else on Monday, the sun's shining. So it doesn't matter what kind of day you're having, God is still good. So when you see the goodness of God, you see the glory of God. So here's, here's my thinking. Lord, I've been praying, Lord, show me thy glory. And what God's telling me, open your eyes. Woo! Because when I open my eyes, all I can see is his goodness is running after. It's running after me. And when I see his goodness, I see his glory. Hallelujah. Has God been good to you? Then you've seen his glory. Has he made a way where there was no way? Then you've seen his glory. Hallelujah, glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Has he provided everything for you? Then you've seen his glory. We expect some sort of great phenomena to happen when we ask for the glory of God. Well, all we gotta do is open our eyes because he's been good to you. <laughs> and when you've seen his goodness, you've seen the glory of God. Woo. But not only do we see his goodness and his glory, we see his guardianship. Because he said, <laughs> you can't look on me and live. Right? That's what he said, right? He said, you can't look at me. You can't look at me. I can't, I can't allow you to look at me on earth like I look in heaven. Because if you look on me on earth, like I am in heaven, you'll be in heaven. Because you could, your body couldn't stand it. That's why Moses had no idea what he was asking. Because God, really what he was saying was, Moses, if I give you what you're asking me, it'll kill you. So God guarded him by withholding the full presence of his glory. You all better be thankful that when you ask God for something, that he didn't give it to you. Because sometimes we ask things we don't know what we're asking for. And God guards us and withholds it from us. But you better be thankful he did because if he allowed it to happen, it might have killed you. I know his intent was good. And I know his motive was pure. But God said, even though your motives are pure and your intent is pure, the heart is still deceitfully wicked. And so I'm going to withhold because you don't know what you're asking for. And some of you better be thankful for unanswered prayers. Amen. Amen. His guardianship. I'm thankful that he withholds some things. 
But even though he withheld that much of his power, he said, I know what you're asking and I know your motives are pure. So I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. I've got a plan. (laughs) Not only do I have a plan, but I've got a place. (laughs) I got a place that I'm going to put you that'll guard you from the full power of my glory because you still got work to do, Moses. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you and stand you on a rock. And then I'm going to put you in a rock. Do you realize wherever Moses looked, there was a rock? He looked down, he was standing on a rock. He looked to the left, he was there was a rock. He looked right, I looked up, there was a rock. Everywhere he looked, he was surrounded by a rock. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pass by. So we see his glory in his goodness. But we see his glory when he passes by. Amen. Every time you see or feel God passing by your situation, you've seen his glory. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation when you needed God to pass by. And it wasn't, it wasn't like some tornado or tidal wave coming in. It was just in a moment of insecurity, in a moment of doubt, in a moment of instability. He just kind of went. And you kind of just caught a glimpse of him. And you say, I know you're there, Lord. I know you're there. Thank you for passing by. His guardianship. We see his glory and his goodness and his guardianship, but we also see his glory in his grace. Josh, you got your Bible open? I'm too tired to go up there. I need to lose about 50 pounds so I can run around this place. It's in chapter 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, hew these two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. Y'all remember when he got mad? He broke the Ten Commandments. And be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with me, neither let any be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took his, in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. You say, Brian, where's the grace at? Let's look at that a little closely. God said, okay. I cut the stone the first time. I wrote it the first time. But you broke it. That was my initial covenant with you and my people. And you broke the covenant. But what I'm going to do 
I'm going to give you another chance. But it won't come without a little bit of work and sacrifice. You cut them this time. But you ain't going to write them. I'm still going to write them. And I'll make you a new covenant. (laughs) I'm going to give you a chance to right the wrong. (laughs) I'm going to give you a chance to redeem what you broke before. Am I preaching or not? You don't have to be a great theologian to understand where I'm going. There was a covenant that was written. (laughs) And it was established in every year. The book of Hebrews says, and when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. They went once a year, not without blood, which they offered up for themselves and for the heirs of the people. But in Hebrews chapter nine, if you go down a little bit later, it says, but Christ being come a high priest of greater things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither with the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us all we broke the commandments but hallelujah God gave us another chance when he sent his son he sent his son to redeem us And when we accept the new covenant of grace, we see the glory of God. Hallelujah. So I pray tonight, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your grace. Show me your goodness. Lord, give me what you want to give me. And I guarantee if we come with that attitude, we'll see things happen in our life that we've never experienced before. Dan, if there would have been others in those tribes that would have said, show me that glory, they would have had their own experience as well. But out of all those millions of people, only one said, show me that glory. And we can go into it and say, yeah, well, he was the leader and that's just meant for pastors and shepherds. That's true. Without his glory, your pastors couldn't do what we do. There's no way. We could not do it. But folks, you'd be lying to yourself if you think as a Christian, you can do it without his power and without his glory. Every preacher, every singer, every Sunday school teacher, every parent, every child of God should be at these altars asking him, Lord, show me that glory. Show me that glory.